0: This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Well, hello, mindful listeners. Thank you so much once again for spending some of your day with us. Have you ever had a time in your life where it got so dark because of this, that, or the other thing, and you got stuck inside that darkness and your fears became greater? Well, we're gonna talk all about that today because I have an incredible clinician and an author who just wrote a book called Fear Traps, Escape the Triggers That Keep You Stuck. And she's one of my favorite guests because guess what? All of her knowledge and what we're about to talk about and impart to you is based on personal experience. So let me introduce her to you right away. Her name is Dr. Nancy Stella. She's been a leading clinical psychologist in the Cincinnati area, for over 20 years, and as former president and owner, Dr. Stella expanded Bridgepoint Psychological and Counseling Center into one of Ohio's largest private multi-specialty mental health practices with over 75 providers. There's so much more to talk about, but I'm not gonna waste any time. Dr. Nancy Stella, welcome to the show. Thank you, I am delighted to be here. Well, I, so first of all, um, are you an Ohio State Buckeye fan? Yes, I am. Okay, me too. How about you? Oh, a big one and and, okay. I just, and maybe this might be something you know that we could use some of your techniques with me because what happened during my teenage years is that my parents, who were the biggest Buckeye fans ever, moved to Michigan. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah. it was right during the the rivalry of Woody Hayes and Boshe yes. and and it wasn't my you know high school friends teepee in my yard. It was actually my parents, right? Michigan friends. So yes, back then, folks, the it of the big 10, it was Ohio State and Michigan kind of the big two and the little eight. And uh, I was perhaps traumatized by that. So um, other than that, uh, we'll, we'll bring it up to the regular time. Um, I do believe that your Cincinnati Bengals are division champions.
1: Yes, they are, which is fantastic. It's been a long time since they've been in this position. So we have a great team this year.
0: Okay. Well, now that we're going to get off of sports and we're going to get into this. So at the top of the show, one of the things that I said was that I love guests like you, because I feel like when these personal experiences move into the clinical arena, and you can start to contain people because you get it, you know it, you feel it in your bones. It's just one of the most incredible things I've seen in my career. And so I wanna ask you first, how your lowest, darkest period of your life inspired you to confront and conquer fear? Wow, big
1: question. I had been married for 22 years and my husband said that he no longer loved me and wanted a divorce. And the rug was pulled out from under me. I did not expect that, Um, but what happened was, what, what was interesting was unfolded after that. I reverted back to being like a child. I was whiny, I was needy, I was clingy, and that is not who I am as an adult. And I could not figure out what was happening because I thought, this is no way to win him back. This is not attractive behavior, but I couldn't stop it. And what I did is I did some soul searching, and I realized that this was taking me back to a very old wound. My father had died shortly before I turned five. And my family went into chaos. We were an immigrant family and it just seemed to pull the thread that unraveled the sweater. And at five, I acted appropriately. I was needy, clingy and crying. And I realized that I was reverting back to a five-year-old and feeling like I could not survive without this competent adult in my life. And so I began exploring and looking at my clients. And I realized that after doing therapy for 20 years, People felt better, but there didn't seem to seem to be a long lasting change. And I figured what was going on here. And as I looked at my own behaviors, I realized developmentally, even though chronologically I was adult developmentally, I was taken back to being five years old. So I needed to work through that old
0: wound that was triggered and bring myself into adulthood. Wow. So. I assume not only are you a clinical psychologist, um, for over 20 years, but I have a little insight into your field. You most likely through school need to be, um, a consumer of mental health and, and therapy, correct. Um, going through school, but I assume that during this dark time and the shattering divorce, you were also seeking therapeutic approaches. Correct. I was. And it wasn't and, working. Yeah. And it wasn't working. Okay. It wasn't See, working. Is, and it wasn't working. And I've heard this so many times. And I think outside, so out of that, you developed something called the courageous brain process, otherwise known as CBP. Can you talk a little bit about the courageous brain process? Yes.
1: And I need to talk a little bit about the brain and I'm not going to get all science wonky on you, but it, okay. helps, to have a, but it helps to have a context to understand this and why we end up how we do with our wounds and repeating self-sabotaging behaviors. The very primitive part of our brain, our anxiety center, can't see reality. So what it does is it takes cues from how the smart brain thinks. So if the smart brain is upset about something or if a trauma occurs or repeated trauma occurs, what happens is that anxiety brain holds on to it. So for example, let's say you're in a meadow and you're walking through a meadow and you want to form a path from point A to point B. If you walk the path the first time, you can't even tell you walk it. But the more you walk it, you eventually end up with a defined path. Small traumas are like that. You walk back and forth, back and forth, and they get embedded in the brain. Big traumas, like what happened to me, like the death of a parent, it's like a truck going through and forms a path right away. And what happens is that's our communications. It forms a neural pathway, our communication centers in our brain, which is how our brain begins communicating, not only with itself, but with the world. So it forms our perceptions about the world, what our fears are, what our joys are, what our attachments are. So my neural pathway, I had this well-formed neural pathway, even though it hadn't been activated for years because I had no abandonment issues. The other is when our smart brain worries about something, our dopamine receptors, our pleasure centers in our brain are activated. It doesn't mean it feels good to worry, but what it means is it's so hard to turn away from the worry. So you take that part of our brain, our anxiety brain, who wants to keep us safe. And it's gonna take some cues from what we think about in our past experiences along with our dopamine receptors saying, don't turn away from that bad thing because it might get you, we end up being stuck. So I developed, I started, actually I developed working on myself. How do I get out of this way of thinking? how do I get out of this trigger?
0: Um, and I was so triggered and I knew my reaction was out of proportion. So if you don't mind me interrupting one second. So, cause I want to really clarify this your trigger from the divorce, so that that big trauma of at five years old, a five-year-old dependent person on a very stable, able adult, right? I mean, five, you got, you have to get your needs met. You can't forage for yourself. Like it's basically, you are dependent on your parents. So your father figure. And then, so with your divorce, I assume that your husband then started in your brain to represent this stability, this, uh, person. So that is it transference or projection or like, because he's not your dad. Right. Oh, but I say, ironically, I ended
1: up marrying somebody who was 10 years older than me that had a stable career. So I did marry somewhat of a father figure.
0: Right. 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 And,
1: okay. And so when he decided he wanted, wanted a divorce, it threw me for a loop because I felt like, how can I survive? I felt like I was five again. How could I survive without him? I knew I could logically and rationally, but emotionally,
0: I was scared to death. I so okay. So that's the piece. That's that you went right back to that five-year-old. So you started to work on yourself and, and to, to kind of create this courageous brain process, which I just love saying that courageous brain. I mean, I don't think I've ever put those two words together, but I'm glad that you have.
1: And, and what I realized was, first off, I had to take a step back and call myself down because the more upset I got, the more irrationally I was just operating on emotions. And I started to think, what am I really reacting to here? And that's when I identified what I'm reacting to is that abandonment fear. And what I was feeling was I can't survive when I can put it, tell my story and put it in words. I can't survive without him. I knew I could rationally. But emotionally, that feeling was so intense that I was driven by to get, just get rid of that feeling and to get him back. So, so I developed the process. And in the process, it involves, first off, kind of telling my story, identifying what my triggers were. So I was able to identify what the triggers were, and then being able to see how I responded to those triggers. And how I realized I was responding was I was self-sabotaging so I needed to look at kind of what are the beliefs under that triggers and where were they coming from? And when I realized it was coming from, you know, really past old core wounds that I ended up developing and working on different kinds of meditations to face my fear. And it worked. It worked. I was free when I was able to identify why I was reacting to and that it was an old wound. I was able to work through that. Now it still didn't mean I wanted a divorce,
0: right. but I
1: acted appropriately.
0: So you healed this five-year-old inside of you. Yes. And then you were able to move through your adult self more gracefully because things you knew what things were and what things weren't. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And and it's a it's an emote, it's not just a cognitive process and it's it's an emotional process. So I had, the, I had the understanding and I was able to say, okay, can I sit with this feeling? And now I sit with this feeling and what am I afraid of? And how do I learn to tolerate my own vulnerability? Because once I realized I was able to face that vulnerability, some of my biggest fears, my strength emerged. And what I realized was, oh, I don't have to be afraid. Doesn't mean I like it but I don't have to be afraid. And so when that five-year-old would start crying or whining, I was able to quickly kind of bring myself back to how do I just self-comfort and how do I bring, how do I work through that specific abandonment wound? And in my book, I go through different fears that people have, the six major fears. And I go through, I give a exercise, a meditation. Uh, mindfulness meditation, uh, an active, how to work through what specific fears you have. And I can always go into more detail if you want.
0: Of course. Well, I want to explain something about your credentials first, because I'm noticing I could call you Dr. Dr. Stella, because not only do you have a PhD, and from my knowledge, a PhD um, is more a theory-based doctorate. And then you have a PsyD as well. And that is clinically um, more clinically based, right? Yes. So the application of theory, so I could call you Dr. Dr. Nancy Stella. Um, yes. but, and I, I like that combination because as I hear you talk, most of my awareness in this area is that people mostly seek people like you out for anxiety and depression, but you focus and you talked a lot about fear. Um, yes. so I want to hear more about that. And then of course, yeah, let's get into these six, six major fears that you actually pull out and identify for folks. Yeah,
1: what I realized was after I used this model on myself, I found that I started using it with my clients and it was remarkable, people started changing. And what occurred to me was that fear really is the root cause of our anxiety, uh, our stressors and even depression there's a fear that something bad is going to happen. And most of us spend our time trying to avoid our fears, trying to avoid what we're thinking about, or try to talk ourselves out of it. That just didn't work. So when I realized that fear is the root cause, that was what made the major shift in me. And it's what also began making the major shift in my clients.
0: That's, I love it. So, you know, as I said before, it's like, You have felt this in your bones and you're able with your, with your education, with your experience, really bring it out into a clinical situation and help others because you see it in them and you're able to contain it and you're able to understand it. So, yeah, these, um, I mean, the book is amazing. The book is, it reads really, really well, and you do so much as far as being able to help people understand like fear traps and what triggers actually are. But let's go into these six fears that you have identified. Okay.
1: And these are only six. There are many more, right. but these are the common yes. ones that seem to come up uh, in my practice repeatedly. So they're the ones I focused on. The first one was the fear of being alone. The fear that someone, that again, that was my fear, the abandonment fear, that fear of being alone, that I couldn't survive by myself. So that was the first fear. And that tends to be a common fear for people who've experienced uh, early childhood trauma. And it, and it doesn't mean it has to be abusive trauma, just life trauma. It can be happen with people who are bullied. Uh, it could happen with people you know, who just live in poverty, you know, that fear of not being self-sufficient. I can't survive on my own. So that was the first fear. The second fear I worked on, which is a relatively common fear, is the fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. People aren't going to like me. I am going to be rejected. What's important to me is to be liked. For all of us, we all want to be liked, but I'm Mm -hmm. going to be rejected. And most people have a fear of rejection that stems back to the early teens, Um, you know, where they're self-conscious, where they're egocentric and they want to focus on themselves. And the things that they tend to remember in their lives are those traumatic events where they were rejected, not where they were accepted, but where they were rejected. The third fear I focused on was confrontation. And you'll notice as I go through these fears, they get higher orders. The first one is relatively primitive the second one is a little bit more advanced and as they go through they tap into just a higher order of our own consciousness the third one was uh, was confrontation uh, most people don't like confrontation because most of us don't want to be criticized and most of us want to be like so it was working on our fear of confrontation and how to avoid it and how to handle it appropriately kind of owning what your own issue is versus what the person you're afraid to have a confrontation with. The fourth one was being ignored. And being ignored um, means your needs. What's important to you is not being recognized by important people in your life. So you could have a series of things happen where you just feel like the people I'm around don't get me and they're ignoring what's important to me. The fifth one was failure, and I don't think that needs any explanation. And the sixth one was fear of the unknown. And this one I found the most interesting. And when I first would say this to people, but this was our identified fear, they said, well, I'm not afraid of the unknown. But these are people who are afraid to break out of their comfort zone. You know, their life becomes restricted because they're afraid to drive drive on the highway. They're afraid to... Uh, try a different restaurant or a different meal. And it, what it does is it just closes them in and for them to have a full and fulfilling life, it's like how can they learn to take risks and be okay with it? And the more we do this, the more we confront these fears, the more we recognize our fear traps. And the fear trap is when you have a well-formed neural pathway that's telling you, you know, oh, this is bad. The more we practice the exercises in my books, new pathways are developed. So we develop new ways of communicating.
0: So the truck that has ran through somebody's neural pathways starts to that that that, that pathway starts to get healed, and there's a more lovely, gentle pathway that starts to emerge. I love that. You know, it's so funny when you when you said the the fear of being of not being liked. I've I've thought about this a lot for myself because. I I noticed for myself, like, it's not, I don't care if anybody likes me. Like, I literally, I I fear being hated. I feel like just people hating me. And, you know, for a while I was a public figure and I hated that because all people had was their projections to to throw upon me that had nothing to do with me because they didn't really know me. Right. And it's, I've always struggled with that. It's like, I don't care. I mean, I have so many lovely people that you know, I enjoy and I know like me and we get along famously. It's just like, I don't need anybody else. And if you don't like me, I don't really care, but don't hate me. Yes, yes. <laughs> and we can work on that. Uh, but that is very workable. And my guess is if you
1: look into your past, that was something early on that oh, yeah. stuck with you because it's those past traumas that and they could be big T's or little T's, big traumas or little traumas that right. stay with us, that stay with us. And I'm going to give you one of my examples. And this is really, it it seems like such a trite example. When I was in third grade, uh, the teacher held up two um, art examples, one the way to do it and one the way not to do it. And I thought mine was pretty good. Mine was the way not to do it. Well, that just shut me down from art for years and years and years. I gave up. After going through this model and working through this, I ended up doing pottery, which I absolutely love. I have a pottery studio. Mm. I know that I was able to confront that fear of my own inadequate, what I felt was my inadequacy, that I have no artistic talent. So it's it, and even though that's a small trite example, the impact it had on me, I was amazed.
0: Oh, of course. You know, it's I've been a recipient um, over 25 years of analysis and of, of therapy. And I, you know, I, for me, continuing to be a healthy clinician, it just, I, it's kind of like people have asked me many times, like, why do you go to therapy? You seem so I'm like, well, it's kind of like asking me why I exercise, you know, four or five times a week. It's like, you kind of got to keep it up. It's almost like in karate, the belt system, you can't call yourself a black belt if you don't participate at that level, right? Or any other belt. And so it's like, I like to keep my, I like to keep myself healthy and walk my talk and things like that. Um, and I have no idea where I was going with the story. Well, wait, I'll come back. Oh, I remember. Um, so in the beginning of the process, um, I like pretty much everybody else. I know I poo pooed, um, ah, it's not about anything to do with my family. It's not about anything to do with my parents. I've already done that work, quote unquote, I have, you know, blah, 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 blah. But as I, you know, as I learned, um, it's not, if it's not one thing, it's your mother is the saying, um, but going back and understanding how those formidable years get so impressed by things that happen in your life and you carry them through and they do get, as your book says, you get trapped in them and your adult life then is being run by a seven-year-old or in your case, like a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And
1: most people, if you, you know, when you say that to them, they'll say, oh no, I'm I i do not feel like I'm a seven-year-old. But I say, let's take a step back and think about it. When their trigger happens, how do you respond and how do you feel? And most people could say, oh, and they can go back to that age which which the trauma began. And they can understand how it became incorporated into their view of the world and their life. And so really, chronologically, we're one age, but developmentally, we're a variety of ages.
0: Yeah. And that's so good for people to, I think, understand and then also not judge themselves about, right? Exactly. Exactly. Because it's our, you know, our brain is designed to
1: protect us. It's designed for survival. So if a trauma happens to us, it wants us to protect us from ever feeling those feelings again. So that's what often leads to anxiety and depression because we go through avoidance. We go through trying to fix things, but not really getting at the root of the problem. And that's what i found after doing therapy for 20 years. I said, well, I can people feel better and they can manage panic attacks, but there
0: doesn't seem to be any sustained change. Right. Because, and I noticed this a lot. um, Oh, I hope she doesn't listen to this episode with my mother-in-law. Um, she, you know, she always says things like, you know, it is what it is. I don't, I don't try to control anything anymore. She has very little things to control, but I had to tell you, as soon as something comes up, anything that's outside of what her normal routine is, which is very the same, right? She's got her, 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 variables are, um, are not that great. She, you know, everything is sort of set in its place, but as soon as a situation comes up, that throws one of those variables off. She goes into crazy-making rage, but so because she doesn't have the stimulus of of being out of control or having to control things mostly in her life. So I've seen this over and over again. Right. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And my guess is that's taking her to some point in her life previously where she has felt vulnerable and had you know where control was important. You now people with anxiety like control because they want predictability. And when they don't get that predictability, you know, that anxiety brain goes, oh, wow, this is bad. Stop it. And how you're going to stop it is at the age at which this wound started to form. And it doesn't work. What works in childhood doesn't work in adulthood.
0: Wow. Well, this is incredible work. So I want to ask you a couple of questions for my listeners. Um, First of all, I'm assuming that the book, and I'm going to say the title once again Um, it is called Fear Traps, Escape the Triggers That Keep You Stuck by Nancy Stella, who's a doctor, doctor, PhD in PsyD. So this, this center that you have developed in Ohio with over 75 providers, can people have access to them remotely, this to folks, how does that work? Well, the interesting piece about this is I actually sold that
1: practice. I ended up with cancer. Mm. Uh, and well, and I had cancer twice. And I will tell you, going through this model, it helped me not only my attitude, but there was no "why me." It was rather "why not me,"
0: right? Because
1: wow. you know, cancer happens to people all the time. A lot time. of us. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up at that point selling the practice, taking a couple of years off, working on the book, and then I formed just uh, I just practice now in a very small group.
0: Okay. Yeah, because i always like to make sure that the 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 listeners get as many resources as possible but the book is an incredible resource and then seeking out anybody who understands more about this process the courageous brain process and you know the innovative science-based method of of a a little added touch with just psychotherapy i think it's amazing and folks can get the book Anywhere? They could get it at Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Um,
1: Most places you can order it online. Amazon's probably the easiest and the fastest. I am also going to be offering a webinar uh, on this model. And that will be advertised on my website, nancystella.com. And the website's being revamped now. But if you go to the website, there's a place where it says, uh, download nine, you know, what are the nine, how do you know you're triggered? Nine common ones, you're triggered. That will take you a place to sign up and then you'll get notification of the webinar.
0: Okay. And I want to spell your name for the listeners too. So it's Nancy, N A N C Y, and then Stella, S T E L L A. So nancystella.com Yes. Being revamped, but you can sign up, get your free download, and then stay tuned for more valuable information and a webinar. How great! That's amazing. Well, Dr. Stella, thank you so much. and. I certainly don't appreciate that you went through anything traumatic um, at five or at 55. (laughs) However, I am certainly happy that you had the courage to to move through it, to heal, and then to share your gifts with the rest of the world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Mindful listeners, I always appreciate you. Thank you for being here. And we're going to see you next time.